Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of the Horror Fiends podcast. I'll be your host tonight. I'm John, joined by my two schlubby hosts, Sauce and Chris. What's up, fellas? How we doing tonight? What's going on, fellas? Having a good time. Up, Ready to go. What are we sipping on tonight? Sauce, you got your IPA. Chris, what you drinking over there? Good old Bud Light. Ah, it's a Bud Light. Very nice. I'll be drinking the Miller Piss, as is tradition. <laughs> um, well, today we're going to be discussing Friday the 13th, Part Deuce. Um, it is a movie that um, came, what is it, fucking one year after the first one? 1981. So yeah, it came out one year after the first one. Um, guys, have you seen this one before? I have not. It's another first watch. First watch for both of you. I've seen this one, uh, I think, once before in total. Um, but I I know you guys are both familiar with the Friday the 13th video game, which we played uh, copious amounts of during COVID. And um, I think a lot of this movie is uh, based on this movie, not the first part. Um, it's an entire fucking map, like... like uh, Pakanak, I believe. Does that sound right? Yeah, Pakanak. Um, Pakanak Lodge, right Pakenak near Lodge. Camp Crystal Lake. Correct. Yep. Um, this one is uh, immediately like a, a dead sequel to like following the events of part one movie. Even fucking opens with basically the final fucking 20 minutes of the first movie, um, which was an interesting choice. Um, but before we get into that, um is always around here for those new to the channel we will um discuss a little bit about the uh the fucking movie poster um and this one is another i've seen two different versions of um two different like primary posters for this movie um do you guys have it up in front of you yep is it the one with just like essentially almost all black and a knife yep it's like a outline it's like a chalk outline like a homicide scene outline yeah yeah i got that one pulled up in front of me yep that is the uh movie publisher for this one and uh i'll describe it to you guys if you're listening right now you don't want if you don't have it in front of your driving or something like that it's one thing that we do around here um but yeah it's basically just a all black fucking background with just a white outline of a body with uh basically like the knees to the shoulders and uh this this fucking shape has a fucking very nice white axe in their hand and it's got a little bit of cherry blood on the end of it and uh it's dripping blood onto friday the 13th and it just says part two um and there's a couple alternate versions of this too um that have a tagline uh that say the body count continues dot 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 um this is definitely probably another one of the most basic fucking posters um that we've reviewed up to date and um i'm gonna give a quick score for those who don't know as well we do a quick score for it to uh compare against all the other ones and uh for me this is a this is a a, a terrible departure from our fucking highest rated movie poster which is friday the 13th part one i think this poster is fucking not creative um i don't even think there's an axe in this movie and it's just fucking boring as shit so I think I am going to score this movie a fucking 1.2 out of 5. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think about this one? Sauce, we can lead with you. I think this one, I agree, this one fucking stinks. Um, it is very unoriginal. There's not much going on here. And absolutely a letdown from one of our highest rated posters of the year so far, or from what we've seen. So yep. I am going to tank this one down as well there's really not much to it i'm gonna give it like a, a 1.4 so right around where you're at all right very nice chris how are you yeah. feeling about this one same thing not great not terrible at least they have you know a third color in there for the red blood you know yeah uh same thing sauce 1.4 that's what i was gonna give it nice well we'll do a little bit of quick math here and the average for the three of us is a 1.3 out of 5, making this the second 
worst movie poster that we've reviewed to date. So very disappointing on this one. I had higher expectations. I honestly could not remember what this movie poster looks like, but this is by all means a complete shitter. Um, so yeah, that takes care of that fucking segment. Um, also, for those who don't know, um, the way our podcast typically, if you're new to the podcast, the way we typically run it is we'll go uh, quickly through the plot. And with this one, we're going to try to work extra quick on the plot um, because I just don't think there's a whole lot of value. If you listen to this podcast, you've probably seen the movie before. Um, but for those who don't really want to watch it and just want to get the fucking gist of it, I'm going to cruise through this plot. The spark notes. I'm going to give you guys the spark notes. So this is your spoiler warning. Um, feel free to turn it on. I, I don't. I feel like this is a pretty short movie. I don't know. I don't have the runtime right in front of me. It's like, an, um, from what I remember, we watched it yesterday. It was like an hour and a half. Hour and a, a half? A little bit over that. Oh, 87 barely. minutes, which yeah. is on the shorter side. Hour 27, yeah. Um, so you can pop that in real quick. It's available on Amazon right now for rent, or it's available on Hulu. Right, Sauce? Yeah, you do have to get stars though. Oh, you have to sign up Thank for you the for stars. reminding me. I gotta, I gotta cancel that shit. Okay. They, they sucker you into the uh, the extra membership there and hope you forget about it. So yeah, well, remember to can- for- cancel your memberships, everyone. Yeah, cancel those fucking memberships. Um, I rented it for four bucks on Amazon. Chris, how did you watch this? Same thing, free subscription to stars. So I'm gonna okay. take a quick peek, see if there's anything else good on there this week, and then try yeah. to remember likely forget okay all right well in that case i'm just gonna dive right into this plot um so once again this is not a uh a crazy plot much like the first one it does not take a lot of brain power or uh heavy thinking to get through this one um but we open up um it's set in the exact same location um we are just basically a lake over from crystal camp crystal lake which is where the events of the first one took place um and well, actually, before I even get into that, I should preface this and say, like I did earlier, that we do open with basically an entire fucking recap of the first movie, starting with the fucking death of Jason Voorhees' mother, who was uh, the villain, Friday the 13th, part one. Um, and we basically spend some time with Alice, who's basically just explaining to her mother that she is uh, trying to move on with her life after the events of the first one. It's the same actress. Um and uh, we spend a fucking too, a little bit too much time just going through the events of the first one, in my opinion. Way too um, much. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that fucking 87 minute runtime is kind of padded a little bit by the first, I don't know, seven minutes of the movie. Um, but as same fucking musical score as the first one. Um, a lot of the same vibes in general, I think, with this one is the first one. But um, we basically are introduced to Alice. She's recovering from a traumatic experience at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, in her apartment, she opens a refrigerator to go get uh, her cat some food, and then she finds the severed head of... Actually, Sauce, I can confirm, because uh, I'm reading it right now, that this is the severed head of Pamela Voorhees uh, in her fucking fridge. So I thought this was uh, Alice's mother, but this is just yeah, Jason's mother's like trading an eye for an eye, but right. that's not the case. I, for some reason, put it together because she was talking to her mom on the phone uh, that it was her mother's head. Um because she got off the phone with her pretty quick. I was wrong about that. Uh, but then she is immediately murdered by an ice pick to her temple by an unseen intruder. Uh, cut away from that. Five years later, uh, we're introduced to two fucking uh, counselors or aspiring counselors who go to the exact same gas station that we get introduced in the first one. We get reintroduced to Crazy Ralph, a fan favorite from the Horror Fiends podcast, um, who is doing his typical shick of telling them that they're all doomed. Uh, but these two characters um, are basically just introduced as a couple. Um, they are once again going to be just like the first one. They're going to be camp counselors um, at Lake Pakanak, the Pakanak Lodge, under the direction of Paul Holt. Um, the camp is attended by Sandra, her boyfriend Jeff, Scott, Terry, Mark, Vicky, Ted, and Paul's assistant Ginny as well as many other fucking counselors that just kind of disappear. Um, there's a campfire scene where at night, um, basically they are told a story by Paul about the legend of Jason Voorhees, who was a boy who drowned at the lake, um, Camp Crystal Lake, um, in which his mother went on a killing spree. Um, and then she was killed by Alice, uh, who we just saw get ice picked earlier. Um, then we have a fucking stupid ass jump scare from fucking Ted, 
And uh, they basically kind of build up this legend that Jason has survived and is living in the in the woods around this camp. Um, and he's basically just like an alleged killer who comes across, who will kill anybody who comes into his territory. Um, yeah, so fucking Ted jumps out pretending he's Jason Voorhees. Um, Paul tells everybody that Jason is dead. Camp Crystal Lake is condemned off limits and not to be feared for any reason. Later that night, Crazy Ralph just stumbles into camp. And he just gets fucking, I don't know, how would you guys describe how fucking Crazy Ralph meets his demise? He basically gets his throat slit, even though he was getting strangled. He was getting strangled with barbed wire, so what right. kills you first? Yeah, the so just... the loss of blood. Yeah. You pick. And he gets barbed wired from behind a tree by an unknown killer. Much like the Ralph first one, barbed. the killer. Yeah, he gets barbed. Um much like the events of the first movie, the beginning of the first movie, there's sort of like this un- unseen mystery killer who's going around and uh, sort of one-offing people. But it all starts with Crazy Ralph, um, which is hilarious. Um, later that day, Jeff and Sandra, they're like this, uh, the couple that we get introduced at the beginning, they um, basically go off trying to find Camp Crystal Lake. They come across a dog carcass um, before they get caught by... Uh, <laughs> a dude whose name is Deputy Winslow, which I'm learning for the first time, which brings me back memories of Winslow from the lighthouse. Um, later that day, Winslow spots a man after he deals with these two wandering off site deals. He spots a man wearing a burlap sack mask, which is like kind of flashed on screen. You don't really get a good look at it. Um, he chases him through the woods into a fuck show where he, uh, discovers Winslow and, uh, or sorry, Winslow discovers uh, the killer, who is again kind of uh, unseen to the camera, unseen to the audience, who uh, basically just kind of hits Winslow in the back of the head, apparently with a hammer claw, or the tail end of a hammer, um, which is kind of a brutal kill. Yeah, the wrong the end of the hammer. <laughs> yeah. So, that's our uh, third victim of the movie, I believe, to the point. Um, we return back to camp. Um, Paul offers everybody, uh, all his counselors one last night on the town before training begins. Um, the group basically gets cut in half where six people, including Jeff, Sandra, Mark, Vicky, um, who else was fucking left? Scott and Tara. Off my head. Scott and Tara. Yeah. Scott and Terry. 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 Um, Terry. they stay behind. Um, the rest go to like a, um, it's, it's like a bar casino. Um, they kind of all go there and looking for beers, trying to have a night on the town with a bunch of townies. Um, we kind of split some time between the two places um, for the next little bit. Um, at the bar, Ginny um, sort of discusses with um, her boyfriend, uh, Paul, and uh, Giuseppe... What's his name again? Giuseppe Ted? Giuseppe yeah. Ted. Um, sort of talking about the possibility that Jason is still alive. Um, witnessed his mother's own death and left him with no distinction between life and death and right and wrong. Um, Paul and Ted immediately shit all over this idea, proclaiming that Jason is just an urban legend. Meanwhile, back at the camp, we see uh, an assailant going around the place. He sort of like goes into the main the main house and he starts killing the can- counselors one by one, starting with Scott, who fucking... <laughs> Scott gets hung upside down. He steps into like this fucking beaver trap. And (laughs) I don't know if that's the right word for it, but he gets fucking hung upside down while he's trying to like peep in on uh, Terry, who's going out for a skinny dip. We get to see uh, Terry's bare ass cheeks. And uh, basically I would say probably some of the best mutters we've seen to date um, during the skinny dip, very eighties style fucking nude exploitation scene with Terry. Um, but yeah, fucking Scott gets hung up and, uh, gets his throat slit by, um, and another unknown fucking assailant who is off screen. Um, Terry goes to try to cut Paul down. She has to go back to her cabin, returns back to the scene of the crime. And, uh, it's sort of implied that Terry is killed off screen upon finding Scott's dead body, dead body. Um, then we cut to Mark and uh, Vicky who are inside. Mark gets macheted to the face. Also, I should mention Mark is a handy, capable, wheelchair-bound character who is looking for his girlfriend, Vicky. Uh, or maybe it's just his her fling. It doesn't seem like they know each other very well. It just seems like Vicky is mostly flirting with Mark this whole movie. 
Um, but Mark gets cleaved in the head. Um, Vicky, um, what happens to Vicky? She sort of like fucks off to her own cabin yep. for a little bit. Well, that's her car. Um, yeah, right. She goes to her car. Um, Vicky comes back looking for Mark's cleaved body. I don't think she finds it. Am I wrong about that? No, Mark is cleaved in the face, uh, falls down a flight of stairs. Correct. Um, Vicky yeah, I don't gone. think she she ever finds him. No, yeah. she, we never see Mark again. We never see him or the machete that's no. stuck in his chest. But um, like after Vicky goes to her car, the others not say not all of them, but Paul and Ginny start to head back, and it's like yeah. pouring rain out at this point, just absolute thunderstorm, just like the first movie where it's pouring rain and they're driving a a beat down car right. that's probably going to break down, but. Yeah, right. but Vicky doesn't find Mark. She finds the others, and that's where you get like where he's in bed with them. Right. Well, okay. So let me let me cut back for. So yeah, correct. The killer moves upstairs and impales Jeff and Sandra with a spear while they're making fuck with each other. Um, <laughs> he sort of kebabs them in a way, which I thought was kind of funny. And then uh, I believe that is when Vicky discovers the two uh, Jeff and Sandra making fuck. Well, actually, their bodies aren't there anymore. Jason kind of moves them around. Or I shouldn't say it's Jason. We don't know yet. We don't know who the fuck it is just yet. But um, there's this like POV shot where Jason, or this unknown killer, is moving in with a knife and he stabs Vicky to death. Um, Ted, like we like Chris was saying earlier, Ted does come back. Um, no. Or no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Ted stays at the bar, right? Yes. Yeah, it's Paul and Ginny. Ted offers to stay at the bar. Ginny and Paul come back. Um, they've had enough beers. So they come back, they find the fucking place. No one is home. The fucking lights are still on. They're perplexed at what's going on. Uh, the killer ambushes Paul. Um, they basically are on like, sort of like a, like a wrestling match where basically Jason gets the upper hand. We finally are revealed that Jason was the killer wearing a bag over his head during the scene where Vicky dies. Um, it's sort of like a reveal scene that, Jason is in bed, not fucking uh, Jeff. My name is Jeff. Um, so yeah, Jason is just like, he's wearing just a plaid shirt and a bag bag over his head with a couple of eye slits. Um, which if you played the game, you will know him as a bonus character that you can unlock. Um, so anyways, there's sort of like this goose chase where uh, Ginny is being chased down by Jason. Um, she like stumbles upon the fuck shack from earlier where the cop was killed, finding the body of terry the cop and the severed head of mrs Voorhees. she her head is just there sort of like as if it's being worshipped uh by jason in the shed uh the shack i should say um Ginny sort of realizes that this is jason Voorhees. It, that's who ch- who's chasing him when she recognizes the head Ginny puts on pamela's sweater and tries to psychologically convince jason that she is the mother the ruse briefly works, but Jason sees right through this, um, sort of sees through the shenanigans. I believe in this scene, um, Paul comes back to save Ginny just in the nick of time before yep. Jason can kill her. Um, there's another wrestling match between Paul and Jason. Jason ends up sort of like incapacitating him, but uh, Ginny picks up a machete and slams it into Jason's shoulder, seemingly killing him. Paul and Ginny return back to the camp and they think they hear somebody outside thinking that Jason followed him, they opened the door only to find Terry's dog Muffin <laughs> at the door. Um, and then in a sigh of relief, they're sort of are settling back down An unmasked Jason bursts through the window um, with a very sort of like deformed face that we see for the first time grabs Ginny. Um, she then awakens very much in the same style as the first one sort of being hauled off by a bunch of ambulance chasers. Um, she awakens looking for Paul who's nowhere to be seen. We don't really know what happens to Paul at the movie's uh, conclusion, um, but we sort of end the movie on a shot of Pamela's head remaining on the altar with Jason nowhere to be found, and that is the fucking end of the movie. So that is a very quick synopsis. How quickly did I get through that? About that 10. Like 10 minutes. 10, 12. Yeah. Yep. Not so bad. I missed some stuff. I missed some stuff, but um, for the most part, that is the follows very much the the same format as the first one it like it kind of hits all the same beats as the first one it just kind of takes a little bit of a different departure in terms of the characters a little bit of the acting is different in this one in my opinion 
And also the lore of Jason versus Mrs. Voorhees is much different in this fucking movie. So right away, I'll leave it to you guys. If you want to call out any scenes that I missed that you thought were worth calling out. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, John, they really do a lot with at least giving you more of a backstory behind Jason and like kind of the whole family dynamic and stuff. So I kind of like that a little bit of character development for the villain. Um, you touched on it quickly. The, the part where Jason is chasing Ginny, like eventually back to his house in the woods. That was so long. I wrote down next to my notes, like how long that scene just dragged on for. So yeah, I wanted to, to make sure I called out. Other than that, I mean, right. there's there's a couple of characters that we just never like know anything about. I think there's like other counselors that go to that bar that just never have anything to do with the movie. Like, yeah, don't have right. lines. I was gonna they say they just get left behind. Ted was fine, right? He uh, he just stayed out. He never came back and never. No, got... Ted 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 stays at the casino because he's right. he's kind of like hitting on the bartender there. So and uh, they let yeah. some people get off in this movie. Not everyone yeah, was hacked. I think correct. there's more too. I don't think Ted's the only one. I think there was like another counselor or two who just kind of like stayed there. They never named yeah. him. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure there's like a black dude who's wearing rainbow suspenders who does not ever come back. I noticed him earlier when they were doing their kind of sit down meeting. Um, I will say that this movie, um, it seems like it's in, in my opinion, I think the eighties vibes are a lot stronger in this one. Um, whereas the first one sort of had like a seventies vibe. It's closer. The first one kind of had had a feeling. It's very similar to that of Halloween, whereas this one, I feel like some of the outfits and some of the just a general like fucking the way the movie was shot just feels closer to the '80s. Even though they're only these movies were only made a year apart. I don't know. Did you guys pick up on that at all? Yeah, it was definitely '80s vibes. One thing I wanted to say though is I I think they kind of lacked on the like the group camaraderie aspect like they didn't really develop or do as many activities i feel like in the first movie compared to the second movie like i feel like the character development kind of lacked that where you didn't get to know him as well or didn't get to see him do as much i kind of yeah agree. at least in my opinion i don't know it's like none of these people i guess they were all counselors like training for future summers or something i don't know and most of them seem to already know each other even though they didn't they were like they immediately just kind of like clicked up and did their own thing, and that was really it about yeah. them. And then just they all died. Yeah, yeah. Like in the first movie, they they put a little bit more emphasis on like it was raining and they were doing stuff inside the cabins all together, stuff like that. Where that did not happen in this movie, they were all kind of doing their own thing. And I didn't really feel as attached to any of these actors compared to the first one a little bit more. Interesting. I I think I I differ. I think I I like this cast of characters better. I like I Mark, know. even though he's like wheelchair bound. I, I think he's kind of colorful. Um, I like how kind of like the girls in this one are sort of doing like the flirting other than fucking Scott, who's just a dick or a douchebag, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he would have fit right in with Friday the 13th part one, but I kind of like the inclusion of Ginny. She was kind of like a smart character that kind of sees through what's going on. Um, I thought Paul, he was okay for what he was. Um, and I also just kind of like really enjoyed Ted for some reason. I think he was a much better version of, of that motherfucker from the first one, Chris. What was his name? That was fucking Ned. wearing the Dolphins jersey, Ned. Yeah. Like, it seemed like they kind of filled the same role, but I just found Ted to be a yeah. lot more tolerable. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know. I definitely prefer this this cast of characters um, than than the first one. Well, I, I would agree with you there too. Like, I would say that I like these characters a lot better. I just didn't really like how they just kind of all appeared and then did their thing right away. It just didn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of it. Yeah. That's kind of more so what I was getting at. I think it's a good group of characters, but just didn't feel yep. the same vibes as the first one. Yep. I, I do think um, I want to call out, there was one funny joke that was made, made by Ginny in this one where um, it's sort of like a meta joke about the fucking movie where I believe that they're discussing. I, I can't remember exactly the context of what they're discussing, but Ginny says something like the second act needs some work. Which I think is hilarious that, you know, obviously this being Friday the 13th part two, right away the movie kind of starts off with, you know, a joke about itself not being as good as the first one. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, that was just one little thing. I thought like some of like there was like a cat jump scare in this one. And then there's like a dog reveal at the end with fucking Muffin the dog, which I thought was just hilarious that they thought Muffin was at the door. Yeah, Chris, we should talk about that now. Would you? I know you're probably a big fan of that scene, right? The big 
dog reveal that it's still alive because they kind of allude at the beginning that the dog gets axed and then surprise is still alive at the end there would you think that well it's obviously it was it was good to see it come back but you can only assume (laughs) that he just probably ends up killing it anyway you know Maybe. We don't know that, though. We don't know. It's a giant mystery. We don't even know what the fuck It was just a big surprise and uh, a a very happy ending that the dog was still alive. Here's my comments on the dog, and I actually was thinking about this when I was watching. I love dogs, but that dog kind of ugly. That dog was pretty fucking ugly. I don't (laughs) know what kind of a breed that dog is, but I'm not a fan of those types of dogs. Those little little rat dog. Little shit dogs. (laughs) It's the type of dogs you accidentally step on or something i don't know <laughs> i am glad that the dog came back okay and uh <laughs> yeah the the cat scene you mentioned john i want to go back to that because the cat scene is where alice dies and i do actually like how they kind of uh close the loop on her and just kind of the first movie and say all right you know he comes back and kills her or whatever but um i love how that once she dies it goes right into the title screen which is just like yeah. a really '80s looking logo. Oh, the, the title explode. screen with the fucking music and the like explosive titles. Yes, it's it, <laughs> yeah. It, I got a great laugh out of it. I thought it was like I also got a yeah. great laugh out of the cat scene. The cat just flies in through the window. <laughs> yeah, the the cat jump scare was was funny. I think this movie is is much funnier than the first one. I don't know if you guys feel that way or not. Yeah, I think there's a lot of random shit in this movie. There's some scenes coming up that I wanted to talk about. But I'll get into that after we, we make our point here. But there's a lot of okay. just random what the fuck moments in this movie. Well, tell me I, one. I, 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 I'll, let me let me chime in real quick. I just think like the <laughs> the intentional humor in this movie, like they they at least went for it. Whereas the first one, I don't think was very intentionally funny, other than maybe a handful of crazy Ralph shit. But even so, I think in that movie, it was kind of unintentionally funny. Um, but yeah, Sus, what were you thinking? What's something there's, that jumps to your mind? But did, uh, so the director of this movie is Steve Miner. Did he write the first one as well or no? I don't know. Should probably find that out. Probably look let me, let me look that up. But yeah, what, while, what's your point about the director? Basically, the director, for both these movies, he, he just loves casting chicks that refuse to wear bras throughout the movie. He just yeah. blatantly loves tits right in the... Right in your face. Well, he he probably made just it like bad. like forcing you to to stare at them throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it's like he's drawing attention to that in the most obvious way for both the movies. Yeah, like I don't know if I mean it could just be an eighties thing. I don't know if that was popular back then, but that was it could have been an eighties style. Thing that was blatantly obvious throughout the whole movie. That's the the first thing I wanted to mention, which was just kind of strange. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention was there's another scene and something that I thought was just a funny scene was, um, what's his name? So Sandra, and then who is the dude that she's Jeff. with? Jeff. So Sandra and Jeff, right before they're going to make fuck, this dude just honks out a harmonica out of the blue. Oh yeah, that's just right. Random as fuck. I just, that was so funny. It was one of the just most random things ever. This dude just pulls out a harmonica. As they're in the middle of going at it and just, just so random. And yeah. then, and then last one that I just thought was so random. So when Ginny was getting chased by Jason at the end, she went to go hide under the bed and there was that rat that comes up. And oh, then yeah, out of nowhere, yeah. she just pisses on the ground everywhere. <laughs> like just, there's just so many, like, what the fuck is going yeah. on moments in this movie? Like, I don't know. Just strange I agree. things. Like, why did the director choose to do that? That was bizarre. Yeah, I'll also just say too the scene where Vicky is getting ready to make fuck. She's just like spraying perfume like on her tits and then like on her coochie. It's like oh yeah, it's so strange. Like the time that they take on that, Uh, it's it's they they kind of linger on like a couple of like the more exploitative exploitative scenes in this one a little bit longer. Yeah, they do that a lot Um, in this movie. Yeah, this this movie kind of goes in a little more on that. Not that the first one kind of wasn't about sex, but this one was definitely like a little more centered on it. Seems like it's a a big theme for both the movies so far. Yeah, it very much this movie very much establishes the uh, the trope the eighties trope of like hot and horny teens ready to ready to bang, but they're but they're getting hunted down. <laughs> um, I think this yeah. movie encapsulates that very well. Um, Chris, anything else that kind of caught your mind? Yeah. That, um, that you kind of picked up as a whole about this movie? 
I got one specific scene kind of in the same vein of just random shit sauce. Um, when the dog runs off for the first time and like there's the scene where it's like right at the feet of the assailant. We don't know them yet. Just kind of looking up and it immediately cuts from there to a guy just grilling hot dogs like for lunch. For oh, yeah. I know that was it a goes from a I dog to a hot dog. That got a yeah. good laugh out of me. So I, I know they, what they were going for. Yeah. yeah. It, I also uh, called out to Saucy, cracked me up too, that um, this this chick Terry was looking for her dog and they call her over and it's like, oh, yeah. hot dogs are ready and she just immediately abandons her search for her dog. She just <laughs> gives right up on it to go eat some hot dogs, which <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. cracks me up. Um, I think this movie has really good summer vibes. I don't, I, some about like this, the first movie and this movie, but the, like, the, the, I thought the camp, like the setting is really fucking cool in this one. Like they got the frogs borking in the middle of the night, which cracks me up for some reason. They use that sound effect a lot. Like there are, it's just a bunch of kids that are like hanging out and they go out for the beers. They're all in the back of a truck um, and they're just driving out like ready to go grab some casino beers. I don't know. Like I kind of like the little like not important shit about this movie, but the setting for me, I think works better in this one than in the first one. Um, but again, very similar. I, I don't know what, what do you guys think about that? Like for me, this is a great summer horror movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the setting, it is the same as the first one though. It's a, you know, yeah. camp, like a uh, summer camp on a lake. They're literally like a couple miles from each other. Right. Yeah. And it even has the same fucking town with the gas station in it that crazy Ralph gets introduced at. Um, I, I suppose that's just fucking the, the town of Crystal Lake. That's right outside there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, are you guys comfortable with calling a villain for this movie? Um, yeah. I think this one's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, pretty much. It is Jason Bagman, in my opinion. Mr. Bags is the villain of the movie. All right. Chris, you agree with that? Oh, yeah. When they, uh, they do the old face reveal for Jason, he was looking like that goofball from... Uh, what is it? The Goonies. The Goonies. Yeah, yeah, he definitely looked like that. What is that dude's name? I know exactly who you're talking about, but I do not know what that dude's name is. I don't know. I've only seen the Goonies like once. I'm gonna look that up right now. That's gonna bother me. I think his name's. It, it also Goonies. is a different director for this movie, by the way. Uh, the first one was Sean S. Cunningham. This one is that dude you said earlier. They both pursued the same things. Yep. They it, this one uh, pretty much took it wanted to be a bit of like a, a redo of the first one. In my but the only thing I got, John, is like the two chase scenes, one with the cop just running through the woods and then like Gina getting chased around for a while. Both those just sucked. They just took too long. Yeah, they, they just waste time in my mind of like, yeah, they certainly through. do waste. They waste some screen time in this movie. Yeah. We can move the plot along without having to yeah. try to build suspense when they're running through the woods. I I personally could have done without the fucking seven minute intro of the first movie. By the yeah. way, too, I think maybe just a quick a quick flashback instead of four or five different cuts of her like rolling Alice rolling around on her bed, literally just re airing scenes from Friday the Thirteenth Part One definitely was a bit of a cop out and kind of sucks in my. Opinion. I feel like they they try to almost go for the fact that. You could watch this movie independently. Like, you don't have to watch the first one to watch this one. Yeah, that's definitely why they did it. Is like, if you missed the first one, no worries. Like, we'll catch you up in no time. Plus, they they spell out the complete, like, plot and, you know, storyline of Jason with the, the campfire story. And, like, they talk, the Ginny talks about it sometimes, too. So, right. Yeah. I was just going to say, by the way, the, the Goonies actor, they, they call that character Sloth. Sloth. Oh, yeah. Sloth. Yeah. Yep. Jason's very much that that dude gave me nightmares as a kid. <laughs> Absolutely like nightmares. That terrified the fuck out of me more than anything else. I don't know why. Oh my lord! Just his face gave me straight up <laughs> nightmares. Well, good thing that's hilarious. You didn't see this guy, Jason, in this movie because they look. I mean, I'll give it to him. Obviously, it's older, but the first kind of scene where he's leaning over, it really looks bad. Like the the makeup but once it's kind of like a head you know head on face shot it looks pretty messed up looks pretty good yeah i agree um all right so we fucking we fucking booked who the who the villain is in this one i think now let's get into a more interesting debate of 
who the fuck is Giuseppe in this movie? Because um, I'm just going to come out and say it. This movie is ripe with Giuseppe's for the taking. Um, you could probably pick maybe like four or five. We've, we've had a couple of treasure troves for Giuseppe in the last couple movies. But I think this one is great because none of the male characters are all that important. And they all kind of have very Giuseppe-like tendencies. Um, do you guys have any nominees that you would like to uh, throw out there? Well, I think we just uh, almost go one by one and at least try to find some qualities in each of them. I'll just start yeah. with uh, our boy, Paul Holt. Um, his character just reminds me of Fred from Scooby-Doo. Like he kind of looks like him. But he does look like Fred from Scooby-Doo. I agree with that. That's Other than that. Comparison there. The, the way he kind of just acts around the counselors, like he's kind of a total goofball because he's trying to like, like already feel you're like a camp counselor. You're kind of like, you know, that type of person. He's trying to be the one who's, te- you know, teaching them all. So I think right. he's, he's kind of goofy and he never really dies, I guess. So we don't really know what happens to him, but you know, I, I, he's kind of more of an honorable mention for me. He, he kind of reminds me, he, I mean, he's very much the same fucking role as Steve from uh, counselor Steve from the first movie. Right. Um, this guy just doesn't fucking leave the movie to go to a diner in the middle of the night, halfway through. He's a little more involved with his with the camp, I think, than whatever the fuck Steve was doing in the first one. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I think he's got some tendencies, but I think we, I think there's a strong there's a couple stronger I think there's candidates. Better candidates, yeah. What do you yeah, got? Yeah, I, I I think that um, Crazy Ralph. I think we just have to bring him back because he does the same fucking shit. In the fir- in this one, as he does in the first one, he just doesn't say as much, and he gets it killed. Was a way lesser extent, though. I feel like I don't know. He he wasn't hitting as hard. Crazy right. Ralph oh, kind no. of was a little letdown this movie compared to what we're used to from him. Well, I will say too, he does do his trademark. Um, I'm going to come out of the pantry um, and surprise you fucking bit when he is fucking dead and uh, i believe Ginny discovers him which i yeah. thought was a was a really funny like little callback to the first one yeah. um so that cracked me up but you're right he he does he only basically he's got like three scenes in this he goes up and tells sandra and jeff they're doomed um he fucking rides to camp crystal lake on his bike and gets passed by a car um he fucking dies he gets <laughs> he gets barbed behind a tree and then his dead body just jump scares fucking Ginny. Um, so that was it. That was everything crazy Ralph had to do. Um, so I think he at least checks the box of he's kind of funny. Like he doesn't serve oh, any yeah. fucking role to the plot whatsoever. And he is there for comic relief. Um, but Christy or sauce, do you have, it sounds like you had one more who you wanted to call out. What do you guys think of Ted? As a Giuseppe. I think Ted is a Giuseppe. I, yeah. That's I think it. he is a Giuseppe alone, even if he played a major role in the, the movie, just strictly based on his face. He is a straight Giuseppe face. Okay. Yeah, he jumps I out. I ever going to pick he's... a Giuseppe. That is a fucking Giuseppe. Yeah. Ted? That's Ted, a, looks... Ted is a Giuseppe face. He looks just like Linguini <laughs> from Ratatouille. Oh, yeah, he does. does. He looks just I, he's the he's got like prototype. a ginormous rat nose and just, he's just a goony looking dude. Yeah, he is a straight Giuseppe yeah. looking fuck. I I would I would I would 100% hear an argument that he is Giuseppe. Also, his, his job is to just act like a fucking goblin. Yeah. Yeah. And he's fucking playing Pong on like some sort of weird handheld device at one point in this movie, which cracked me yeah. up. Um, he's kind of just weirdly and awkwardly hitting on girls throughout the movie. So, yeah. And I'm going to kind of lump these two together, but uh, Mark and Scott are both kind of just horny bastards yeah. who strictly exist just to be horny and die. Um, yep. They're both fucking sexual deviants. And, uh, sexual demons. I, maybe Scott more so than fucking Mark. Yeah. But um, apparently Mark was training for something, but we don't know what the fuck he was training for. Yeah, he kept saying that. That I don't know. We never find out what he was training for when he's asking. I'm in, he's I'm in training. For. Yeah, he keeps saying I'm in training. It was Vicky, right? That kept trying to hit on him, and he just continued to say, "But I'm in training." Yeah, yeah. Like he, like that was the the reason he couldn't hook up with this chick. I'm in training. Yeah. Also, Chris, we, me, and Sauce thought that, or at least I did. I thought that fucking the character Mark looked very similar to a dear friend of ours, Pat Martin. <laughs> like 80s Pat Martin, if he was really sure about. It's actually a pretty decent comparison. Um, yeah, 
I I think that Ted is probably the the one A choice for me. I think Jeff is actually my one of my second choice. I think Jeff's big Giuseppe. Okay, I I will probably be quicker to call uh, Ted Giuseppe number one and Crazy Ralph my number two. Sauce, what do you think? I I don't know. I don't really think there's a clear one for this one. I think there's a couple okay candidates, and I really cannot decide between one. So I don't know. Mine was going to be Ted for sure, just based on this looks All right. alone. Hold on. I think we should book Ted. Hold on. What about Giuseppe Police Officer? No. <laughs> he doesn't say. He doesn't have enough funny roles. He just fucking shows up chastises them and then fucking dies yeah i had to mention him because classic cops being dumbasses so yeah he definitely had a chase scene where it literally felt like he was chasing jason for like a good mile off course yeah when he was going to the fuck shack yeah yeah he's fucking getting winded (laughs) running through the woods for no particular reason other than the fact that he's just trying to talk to this guy um, but I think yeah. I think Ted Ted is the prominent uh, Giuseppe in this only yeah. maybe because he's got an, he's got the most screen time. Um, but yeah, I think we can I think we can book Ted as the Giuseppe of this one. This this is definitely a treasure trove though. Much like Texas Chainsaw Mutters, um, I think this one those two movies like ripe with Giuseppe's. You could look so many different ways. Um, so I think we can bag him. Um, all right, I think we should get into favorite scenes now. Um, with this one, I don't think I've let off a favorite scene in a while. I might be wrong about that, but I do have one lined up unless you guys want to call out one that's you're just fucking itching to nominate as your favorite scene. No, let yours rip. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and nominate the skinny dip scene with Terry is my favorite scene in this one Bonk. only because I think, I think that I really just like the, the way that they shot it, even though, I mean, I know what you guys are going to think. Oh, it's like, Oh, John wants to nominate the chick with fucking tits out and her ass just exposed to the fucking, <laughs> the elements. But I actually really <laughs> like the, the way elements. that they had like, the, I really like the way that they paired the full moon with Terry's full moon. And I think that was an artistic <laughs> style that did not go unnoticed by me. And um, I do like, I, I do like how like this movie was kind of shot on with like, there was random like grainy moments from this one where like in the corner of the screen, like you'd get like that classic, like old style, like grain coming through. Like there was like a hole or a burn in the film. And there was a couple during this scene with like the fucking black water and uh like she's just like coming out of the water it, for me it was just a very artistic looking scene and uh we got the full moon just you know shining on her tits and ass um so for me i think that scene takes the cake and okay. um i'm happy to say that that is my I support favorite scene reasoning this movie. um so all right go right ahead chris for yours go right ahead that's a tough act to follow john um I suppose I could say that that was on my list, but I, I certainly was not going to take that. Good choice, yeah. nonetheless. I'm going to go one of two ways here, and I am I guess I'm still thinking about it. But my original one that I had circled was, I'm going to go with, it's a kind of a combo here, but actually I will say first the, the one that I'm not picking. So you, it was very close to you, John, but the scene where, um scott gets strung up in that roadrunner-esque trap it's just a, a road yeah, roadrunner trap <laughs> <laughs> the tree that was so funny and i know that like was not supposed to be funny but how goofy and silly of a way for him to get trapped like, <laughs> he, that- he gets kind of like launched too when he gets <laughs> uh oh, strung yeah. up he and like all of the- a sudden has a ton of momentum <laughs> i love the way his hands are just dangling up in the air, he just looks like a goofball being hung up there. It's just funny. Yeah, that, that was that was for sure like a be. Giuseppe like nomination scene right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> with how ridiculous that was. Scott, he's got he's got Terry's shirt in his hand. And he just gets strung up by the rope, and then like she's just staring at him like you're a dumbass. So that yeah. happened right after the the skinny dip scene, obviously. But no, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the cat jump scare scene because it it 
actually got <laughs> me and then it made me laugh. And I'm going to combo that with the title screen. The title screen was so fucking ridiculous that I actually liked it. So that yeah, kind of it is so 80s. It is. And you could even throw in like her finding the uh, the head in the fridge. That whole kind of quick minute and a half there I thought was really good. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it. I'll, I respect that. Um, I think they're both very much worth calling out. And I appreciate that. Uh, Sauce, go right ahead. I want you to right. give us your favorite scene from part two. I've already mentioned this one, but this one has to be mentioned. It's Jeff harping on the harmonica with his <laughs> cock and balls out before he yeah. makes fuck. It's, it's just too funny. He's, just, he's supposed to be having sex with Mrs. Balloons over here, Mrs. Sandra. Um, shout out to Mrs. Balloons. But <laughs> he, uh, he's just harping on the harmonica out of the blue before he has sex. It just caught me off guard. It's just like one single note, and he's just going to town on the harmonica. And it's just so bizarre and random. A, a little bit of that. harmonica foreplay. Yeah. Um, I'll give a shout out too, though, to the scene where they're all getting ready to go to the casino and they're, they are fired up. They make a, a big deal going off for those casino beers. And they yeah, just keep saying, I, we're getting some beers. <laughs> they just yeah. keep, they were, they were pumped for those beers. So sauce, that, that, that was my number two choice. That was my, that was going to be my honorable mention, uh, just in case you were going to take it. I didn't want to take it away from you, but I, I do no. like how hyped they are to go grab some fucking casino beers. They were very hyped for those beers. They fucking hop in the back of the pickup and they're off to go grab some beers. I just respect <laughs> that move. That was a good choice. Absolutely. I've got a couple more real quick just to mention. Okay. Just any of the scenes at that casino bar that they were at actually just kind of were unintentionally funny for the most part. So I did enjoy them just flashing over there to get a quick check in on the random characters that were over there. But um, the one scene where Ginny jumps out of a window. It was kind of like a like a high first floor window when uh, Jay swung on the other side of a door. It actually looked like very realistic and like almost looked like that would have hurt her doing it. So I don't know if she actually got her doing it, but I kind of like that scene because like classic someone getting tossed out of a window and this time it looked kind of like legit. I, I don't remember that scene. It, it was very quick, but anytime someone's mm. going through a window, I, I take note of it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we have a running count starting with Texas Chainsaw with people jumping out of windows back in the 70s and 80s, particularly the damsel in distress. Um, yeah, I, I will say that too, Chris. To, to, to piggyback off your point, I did think one of Ted's premier moments that we have not talked about yet as King Giuseppe of this movie um, was when he asked a, an older dude at the bar if there was some nightlife going on, if there were some late night bars open. And this dude just simply answers his question and Ted just fucking imitates him. And he starts like mocking him to himself <laughs> for some reason, like that, the, the fact that they threw that in there just cracked me the fuck up. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what purpose that served, but that's the last we see of fucking Ted. <laughs> and um, I'll, I'll just spoil it. He does not fucking ever come back. So <laughs> that was his goodbye. And uh, it was a sweet goodbye. So, I do like that casino scene. I think sauce during our watch. I think I called it out that I actually liked everything that happened in that casino. Yeah. Um, even though it was pointless, it was just kind of like goofy fun, like goofy's eighties fun, which I respect. Um, so, all right. I think, I think we kind of wrapped up all the, the important scenes of this movie. Yep. Um, I will, I will give one final quick shout out that I did like the fucking how Mark died. He just gets macheted to the face and then, aggressively falls down a flight of stairs several flights for no reason several flights of stairs in a wheelchair and it stays upright the whole time which was just incredible that's a great shout out john that had to be mentioned of um, yeah going for a little little roll yeah yeah i i I did like that so all right that'll that'll put a well let's put that one to bed so now let's get into the premiere event here the moment you've all been waiting for we are going to rank friday the 13th part deuce um, now right away, um, I think, uh, I've been, once again, I think I've been going last for a lot of these fuckers. Um, I have a certain opinion of this movie that I kind of, I kind of want, want you guys to pitch it to me though and explain it since I'm hosting this episode. I kind of want you guys to convince me what you're thinking. Um, I'll, I'll still sauce. All right, Chris, let's hear it. Um, 
what I liked about this movie is the fact that it really didn't try to be something that it wasn't. Like, they kind of found what they liked, similar to Saw. Like, they've got a style, and they stuck with it. And I actually do think that they improved on it from the first one. I think just in general, they added a little bit of plot and backstory to the villain of Jason Voorhees. They closed a loop on the first movie. Um, They had, you know, similar cast of characters, which were lacking in terms of the depth of the characters, but I think made up for in some fact by like, you get some better ones like uh, Ted, you get, you know, Mark, I think was a pretty good addition to, and some of the female characters I think were better. So, you know, I, I didn't really like a lot of the dialogue with them. I think the acting was pretty decent. There was never too many times where it felt very out of place, but I just think the lines were pretty soft at times. Um, yeah. It's quick. I always like quick movies. And, you know, other than that, I think there was a little bit more gore and I think about an equal amount of killing. There's several death scenes in this movie, some pretty good ones, memorable ones, I should say. So overall, it is better than the first one, in my opinion, but just a little bit. So I'm going to go with a 2.6 and lock that score in. You know, Very shout nice. out to uh, Henry, Harry, Harry Manfredini, though. He is the guy who does the score. Did the score for the first yep. one. He's the key, 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 ma, ma, ma guy. Shout out to him. He's back. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't even mention that. With that, that's, I think uh, the score is a lot of fun in, in, in these movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Sauce, why don't you try to convince me next if you are prepared? All right. Um so I agree with Chris. I think this would be very slightly better than the first one. I think just to start, one of the, the reasons I did not like the first one is because of the fact that the villain, it just took so long to reveal. And I, at the time, I thought it was a very big letdown, um, just revealing it was Mrs. Voorhees. Um, just some of the things they showed in the first movie with, um, you know, some of the kill scenes, it just didn't seem very realistic that Mrs. Voorhees was doing all this. So I think they did, like, Chris mentioned do a little bit of a better job with some more character development with Jason. Um, finally got to see him a little bit more. Um, I think the, the acting in general, like I mentioned, um, I don't think the group clicked as much. There wasn't as much of that group camaraderie, but I, in general, I thought they were a little bit better actors. Um, so I thought that was a slight improvement for sure. Um, definitely a little bit gory, more gory too. Um, some of the kill scenes were, in my opinion, a little bit better from the first one. Um, there's definitely a lot of comedy in this one as well. So I enjoyed that. Um, trying to think if there's anything I'm missing. There's certainly a a recurring theme. Like I mentioned, plenty of yabos and just blatant tits in your face throughout the movie. That seems to be the style. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all. I mean, I think it's an okay movie. It's not anything that I'm, uh, jumping out of my seat to watch or would be like thrilled to watch again. Um, but I do think it was a slight improvement. So I'm going to give it a 2.4. It's where I'm 2. at 4. Very nice. Mm. Now, Sauce, would you recommend this movie to watch with a beer with your buddies? Because we've been getting a lot of that uh, recently. I guess. I think it would be a little bit of a letdown for beer, beers with the fellows. You do have some good uh, scenes to look forward to. Um, like I mentioned, plenty of tits in your face in this movie. So that's always a plus with the fellows and beers but um i don't know not as much as some other movies that we've we've watched i can't yeah. recommend it as much okay so you're you're pretty lukewarm on this movie it was not offensive yeah. but um by no means was it no. but by no means was it the greatest thing you've ever seen do you want um, to mention this well hang on john sorry oh yeah um, but just absolutely you, go you, ahead. you already you already mentioned this so that the summer vibes too it's definitely a summer vibes movie so I yeah. would agree with you there. Just wanted to throw that out there. I agree, but go yeah. right ahead, sir. Let's hear yours. I, I personally, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the summer vibes because I think that is the best part about this movie. I think like this is a movie that if you're if you're a horror fan, if you've seen as much horror movies as I have, I think like it is just a uh, it. It's kind of a breath of fresh air for me. This movie because it's so fucking committed to the bit, like you said, Chris earlier. Um, it knows what it is. I don't think it's trying to be anything that it's not, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but I think it executes 
on being what it is, which is a goofy slasher, t- horny teens, like fucking a little bit of a little bit of tension here and there. Um, but none of it is all that. T- it's not taxing by any means. This is a very easy movie to watch, I think. Um, but I agree entirely with all the flaws that you guys have pointed out. Um, uh, the only thing maybe I disagree a little bit is the the camaraderie um, versus the first one. I just think like this group as a whole just works better and they're less stiff than the first cast. Um, for some reason, like um, the this group just seems like they're, they're they're just willing to fuck each other more, which I don't know why. But for me, it just I, I like that better about it. I don't know why. Um, but I like the setting. I like the camp. Like the like the cabins are kind of cooler in this one. Although the first one did have some pretty kick ass cabins, very seventies eighties vibes. Um, in the first one, this one definitely a lot more of the eighties vibes. Um, I don't know. I, this is like another stupid fucking like gen z millennial thing to say but i think the vibes in this one are just they're they're pretty they're pretty fun um and i think that's what it has going for it um i do like the sort of plot development with jason coming into the picture versus mrs Voorhees. i think it's cooler that you have like this person that may or may not be alive there's a little bit of suspense like is it jason that's going around killing people like when they reveal him in the bed i thought that was kind of cool like the first time i saw it i'm like oh shit like i like kind of his character design with the bag on his head instead of just being this goofy looking motherfucker who they kind of reveal at the end who jumps through a window. Um, so I like that part better. Um, I really like that skinny dipping scene. I think it's like um, a classic 80s slasher scene that if you're, if you watch, if you've seen all the slashers, like I think a lot of movies try to aspire for a shot like that. Um, even though it is kind of like low class, like some people might think that's trashy or kind of like just the male gaze and it is directed by a male actor. Um, I, I do think Ginny is kind of like a, a, uh, an intelligent lead character, even though I wouldn't say that there is necessarily like a lead, I would say it probably follows her more than anybody else. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of like how the movie jumps around. You never really spend too much time with anybody. Um, but it is just kind of just fun for me to watch. And I, I when summer does come around and the weather gets a little warmer, I do like popping this on of all the Friday the 13th. I think like this for some reason is the most like put together and executes the best at what it does. Um, so in general, I I'm coming in a little higher than you guys. I wrote down yesterday that my score was going to end up somewhere between a 3.4 and a 4.0. Um, and I don't think I'm going to give it on the upper end of this because I think the screenplay and just the general writing of it is just way too close to the first one. And it doesn't do anything particularly like all that crazy to hold your attention um but it is an easy movie to watch and just fucking throw it on in the background while you're doing something else maybe while you're vacuuming and you kind of clue in for the scenes that you like when mark fucking dies or scott gets fucking pulled up by a tree so i think this movie is a very easy digestible watch kind of like the first one but just a little more fun in my opinion it sort of just has more of the fun aspects so i'm gonna come in i think i'm gonna give this one a 3.6 um, I think it's enjoyable. It, it, I would recommend this movie to anybody who's kind of squeamish or is getting into horror movies or anything like that. I would recommend this for any fucking summer watch. If you're like at a camp and you want to turn on like an, an easy horror movie for a lot of people to watch, I think like this one's like a great fucking choice. And out of all the movies to pick from, this would like come right to the top of my mind if you're trying to like watch a movie on a projector or something like that. Um, so yeah, I'm coming in. I'm coming in there at three six. Um, on certain days, maybe you could you could catch me at a 4.0. If, if, maybe if we're recording this not in February, we're recording this in July or something like that, I'd give it a slightly higher score. Only because I think it's just fucking hilarious and it's a lot of fun. But yeah, the story itself fucking stinks. Uh, there's there's nothing to it. If you've seen part one, it's, it's pretty much the same shit except substitute Mrs. Voorhees for Jason. So yeah, that, that'll put a fucking wrap on the score segment. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about? with Friday 13th part deuce. Do we have any spooky trivia, Chris? Do you have anything? Oh yeah. Spooky no? trivia. Well, I guess it is still good to see if I've got anything else here. Final thoughts. I guess I will say, John, um, basically my baseline was 2.5. That's what I gave Friday the 13th. OG. Yeah. And I did consider giving this movie a little bit of separation, maybe more like a 2.8 or something. A little higher up, but at the end of the day, it's still very similar 
to the first one. So I yeah. think a, a point one difference is fitting. And that's yeah. what I'm going to stick with. Um, I got you. Yeah, if you guys don't have anything else, I'll rattle off a couple here. Talk about uh, let it. me just do the aggregate score real quick. I okay. just want to say that real fast. So, Sauce, you, what were you coming in at there? Uh, 2.4. 2.4. All right. So, real quick math here. I think this is coming in at like mid threes. Um, 2.9. 2.9. So, it's, it's for for those comparing, we gave probably the original Friday the 13th a 2.3. I'm definitely driving up the score of this one a little bit, but... Um, all three of us are in agreement that this one is slightly better than the first one, which kind of rare that you ever get that sequel that's better than the first one. But I think I think it's pretty obvious. I think a lot of people generally agree with that opinion too. So, all right, Chris, full steam ahead. We talked about this at the beginning, the movie poster. So yep. it depicts Jason holding a bloody hatchet, except he never uses one to kill any of his victims in the film. Other than the fact right. that he plants a bloody hatchet in the bed and Paul and Jane discover it. So I guess that kind of explains the movie poster a little bit more. Um, Mark, the entire time, is wearing like a red long sleeve shirt, basically like a football shirt. It's got the number 81 on it. That's the year that the movie was released. So I think that was intentional. Ah. Um, the dog, Muffin, ugly little fucker, was a shih tzu. <laughs> Had to, ah, shit, Sue. Had, had to make sure that, that we little shit close that loop. Honestly, I kind of like it more that it's a Shih Tzu because I've always thought a Shih Tzu is a funny, funny dog breed. Yeah. Um. So after this is kind of a, a double here. After the first movie, uh, the woman who plays Alice, let me get her name here real quick. Um, Adrian King. There was a guy who was just obsessed with the movie and basically started stalking her, and that kind of carried into this one. She had a, a minor role at the beginning, like a new material that wasn't just a flashback to the first movie, and then she never acted again after because this guy was stalking her so bad. Jesus, so, people well, really like Friday Thirteenth. What's the name of that guy? I they didn't they don't name the guy, but it's just you know oh, the girl okay. played Alice gets stalked because of her roles in these Alice movies. Alice had a stalker. Yeah, I mean, she gets killed off anyway, so it's not like it mattered. Um, I guess there was a shot of the shish kebab double impalement scene, and it got cut to avoid an X rating. But there's uh, a full shot of it that is, like, censored a bit that appears on, like, the original uh, video cassette box. But I would have loved to have seen what that looked like, the actual, like, depiction of that kill. It's a good scene. I'm, yeah. I, we should have had that for best scene i think for sure yeah um other than that i think that's mostly yeah i think there might have been one more we'll see if i find it here but um nope other than that it was just you know kind of same story as the first one nothing too actually the first one had a lot better spooky trivia all right yeah i agree those i mean i kind of like i I definitely do like the uh the story about the the x-rating because most of this movie, like by no means is this movie fucking scary by today's standards. This movie is just goofy and yeah. kind of like a bit of a time capsule of what it was like back then. So I, I like that one. All right. So I think we could put Friday the 13th part deuce to bed. Um, um, one more real quick, John. Yes. I do have, um, we haven't done this in a while. Budget and yep. box office. Want to try it out? Oh, yes. I, uh, I have a strong feeling this was a profitable movie. I will say that it was. What's the budget? All right. Uh, probably pretty cheap. Um, I don't really know what they would have spent a lot of money on in this one. Uh, I'm gonna guess like. I'm gonna guess like two million. Okay. I will guess. Um. Seven hundred fifty k. Sauce is closer. It is actually, yeah, it's one point two five million was the budget. Oh, we kind of split it down the middle. Yep. Um, I don't know if you want to guess for how much it made. Yeah, I'm gonna throw out forty million. Sauce, I'm gonna go like seventeen million. 
Sauce closer again. It is twenty one point no! seven million. Nice. Wow. About twenty X on the investment. So still still fucking nice return there. I, I, I know people were fucking digging this back in the eighties, so I figured it was quite profitable. Yep. All right, that's cool. That'll do. All right. That'll do with Friday thirteenth part deuce. Um all right, so I guess we can go into a little bit of news. So next week, um, we did the marble race. We did not do a poll this past week. And uh, we have a first-time poll entry winner. Um, we will be reviewing Paranormal Activity next week. Um, probably one of the... Uh, I remember Paranormal Activity being like a huge hit when Blockbuster was still around. I remember it was, was like all the hype. Huge hype back yeah. when I was young. Yep. Very hyped movie. So we are taking down a pillar of horror next week. Paranormal Activity. I'm sure you've seen it already. If you have not, feel free to go fucking watch that. I'm sure it's available just like this one is for cheap. Um, or if it's fucking streaming somewhere. Um, I've seen that one before. Have you guys seen it? I don't think I actually have in full. No. It's been you a while. It, yeah, been a while. I saw it like back then when it was newer. So yep. it'd be fun to kind of revisit that series. Yep. Yep. So we will be talking about that next weekend. Um, any other news that we should talk about? Um, follow us on Instagram. As always, leave us a rating if you like us. Um, we still have fucking no, re- <laughs> no reviews yet on Spotify other than like, <laughs> three. So please go rate us if you haven't already. Um, or Apple Podcasts if that's how you listen. Uh, anything else, guys? That's it. That's it for me. All right. Otherwise, go fuck yourself. Please go fuck yourself.